So as we get started today, I want to make one thing very clear. No matter where, what situation you find yourself in, where you're celebrating, where you're grieving, there's a truth that undergirds all that. And sometimes it's easy to lose sight of that because life can beat us up and we can lose our vision. We can lose our sight. And so what I want you to hear me say today is that God is a God of abundance, real abundance that will blow our minds, abundant love, abundant mercy, abundant justice, abundance. I want you to think of the feeding of the 5,000 where there was no food except a loaf and a couple of fish. And by God's power, not only did everybody have everything they wanted, there was 12 baskets left over. That's the kind of abundance that comes in following Jesus. And so I dare you to begin to imagine that in your life as you talk to others, evangelism, not just to mint new Christians, but to share that kind of abundant life in God so that others can partake of that. We need to remind ourselves that God is a God of abundance. In today's gospel lesson of Matthew, we get a sense of that abundance. First, it begins with showing us what Jesus is doing. And if ever you get lost or you're not sure what to do, take a look at what Jesus is doing. He's moving through the villages. He's moving through the cities. He's teaching. He's proclaiming the good news. He's healing the sick and he's setting people free. That is his ministry of abundance. In a sense, helping people to become the fullest um, version of themselves that they can be. Sometimes we operate in a little slice of who we can be and there is so much more that you are uniquely made to be and Jesus is going through the towns and the villages and reminding people whose they are and who they can be. And then right after that, Jesus calls his 12 disciples and he gets ready to send them into the harvest. As he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And I would suggest it's actually not that there's few laborers, it's that there's few willing laborers. We'll talk about that in a minute and what that means for us. What does that mean to have a harvest before us and to have some reluctance to go into that harvest, even though as followers of God, that's what we're called to do. So Jesus then calls his 12 disciples and we get their names. I'm going to do something which is a little embarrassing. And maybe when you were a kid, you learned this song, but never underestimate the power of teaching children about the Bible. It sticks with them forever. I can never get this out of my mind. Peter, Andrew, James, and John, fishermen of Capernaum, Thomas and St. Matthew too, Philip and Bartholomew, James the, left, James the less and Jude the brave, Simon the zealot and Judas the knave. 12 disciples here and all following the master's call. So I have been singing that since I was about five. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> since I was about five years old. But actually, that's kind of fantastic because if ever I'm like, what, what's their names again? I'm watching The Chosen, right? I'm trying to remember who are all these characters. I can sing that song. There's a perp, there's a chosenness, there's a specificity of those 12, but it doesn't stop there. Those 12 call 12, call 12. And we are here today by virtue of that call and by virtue of that harvest that these disciples said, okay, I will go. I will trust you with little or nothing. Send me into the harvest. And that's actually, I'm planting the, the, the point of it all. You too are being called in your specific way to yield the harvest. So 
this coming week is VBS, and that's part of what we're going to be doing. I don't think they're teaching him that song, but when you get an invitation to help out with Vacation Bible School, don't just brush it off. It is that kind of learning and teaching and shaping that we're trying to do with our children, and we need you to be part of it. And if you still haven't said, yes, I'll help out with just providing crowd control or teaching or something, there are people here who can put you in connection with people who can help. So Jesus calls the disciples and he basically, no surprise, asks them to do what he's been doing. Teaching, preaching, healing, setting people free. And that's what they do. So Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. This is not ours. We do not set this up. We do not make the growth happen. We are in a sense, servants, laborers of God. And so the question I have is, I wonder what God is preparing even now for you to enter into that you have no idea. Because it doesn't begin with you and it doesn't end with you. We hand it off from generation to generation. But I suggest there is a harvest right now. There is something that God has planted that now God is inviting us to go out and do our part to bring in that harvest and to celebrate that. So what do we actually mean by a harvest? We know uh, the farming imagery. We know the idea of the seasons of the year. And there's a point where there's great harvest and great celebration, God willing, if the elements allow it to bring in the food for the coming year. But in this context, it's a spiritual harvest. And I think as we look around our world today, even among friends, um, there are ways that we are enslaved to things that are not God. It can be attitudes, it can be behaviors towards those who are different from us, it can be social media, it can be our devices, it can be our proclivity to work too much or too little. Whatever the things are for you that in a sense bind you and keep you from being the fullest version of yourself, Jesus comes to us to set us free, to break us out of some of those patterns that are not life-giving. And as we experience that in our lives, as we come to St. Michael, we make friends, we prioritize worship, we prioritize learning and service and giving. As we learn these habits of discipleship, we then go out and share that with others, not just because we want to make new Christians, but because people are desperate for good news. They are desperate for freedom, for healing, for mercy, for kindness. That's the kind of ministry that God is calling us into. And as I said, the harvest belongs to God. All we have to do is show up. We have to go two by two with our friends and yield the harvest that God has prepared. So I'd like to talk just a minute about an example of a ministry that I have seen in Dallas, which reveals that kind of teaching, preaching, healing, curing, setting people free kind of ministry. Now there's a lot of them. And you might know that if you've been part of St. Michael for two minutes, we give you in the back of your bulletin, the announcements you have today, all kinds of ways that you can volunteer. So I'm not preferencing this against anything else we do. But I had a conversation um, about a month ago with Samira Page of Gateway of Grace. And I don't know if you know this work, um, but for over 20 years, she has been working with refugees coming into the Dallas area who have nothing. They're from Afghanistan and Syria and Iran and soon to be Ukraine and other areas, and they get resettled. Dallas takes more refugees in than any other metropolitan center, and they come in without the language, often with a different religion. 
not understanding the culture and in a country that's not always super glad they're here. So they land in Dallas and Samira, who was a refugee from Iran, she has a fantastic story. She was Muslim. She encountered the Virgin Mary when she was a child, didn't know who it was, but through that experience became Christian, had to flee Iran for her life and because her husband was about to be killed and literally trekked over mountains and deserts and ended up, she, was, uh, she had crossed the border and they were deciding where to send her and they sent her to Dallas. She had no idea where Dallas was or what that meant. But as she tells the story, within two hours of arriving, for some reason, by God's grace, there was an apartment that was available because someone else had not shown up and she, was, she found an apartment and she began to be able to work and go through the process of becoming an American citizen. And she said when she first arrived in this country, the saddest, loneliest time was the holidays because she didn't know anybody. And I don't know if you realize or take for granted when it comes to Christmas or Thanksgiving or those times where you go to be with your people. And then if you think of the refugees who in many cases do not have someone to join, it's the saddest time, especially um, for, for folks from different countries. And she kind of vowed that the kindness and hospitality that she received and in thinking of them in those holidays, that they would not be alone. So she started this modest ministry, which has now become huge. And what she does is she has teams of volunteers that come from churches to lend a hand, to help donate some furniture for the first apartment, to help with job skills, some of the things that are just basic to helping someone acculturate. And what's amazing about this is there are some groups who, in a sense, they want you to check that box of Christian, right? We'll help you if you're a Christian or if you convert or whatever. That's not her, that's not her path. Her path is kindness first, compassion first, God works the rest out. And so she lets people be who they are and welcomes them. And regardless of the religion, people speak of Gateway of Grace and Samira as representing that God-like compassion and kindness. Um, and as I talked with her, she said, would you please tell St. Michael, we need them. We need them, their presence, just have them contact the organization gatewayofgrace.org. We need their financial support. We need to be able to partner with these people coming in with nothing because often the government gives very little and it's faith-based organizations who help these people weave in to society. And so she's very much keeping her eyes on God, Christ at the center, the Holy Spirit filling their ministry, and yet not demanding a kind of um, thin conversion or a sense of, you know, to be, you will, do, you will do this if you get baptized. We are called to grow the church. We are called to baptize. We are called to increase the faith. But I would invite you to think about evangelism and mission as starting with kindness, starting with compassion, letting someone be where they are, and then letting Jesus reveal God's self to them in that way. And so I'm thankful for Samira, and I'm thankful for the gateway of grace. Friends, the harvest is plentiful, and that means there are people who are ready, ready, to receive a kindness, to receive a mercy, to receive an invitation. And you and me, we are called to extend that love of God to them. It is God's harvest. 
Jesus calls us into that bounty. It may involve teaching, preaching, healing, or setting people free, but there are so many ways to participate. I've given you one example, but there are many ways at St. Michael. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. What are you being called to next? Amen.